Magic Makers, Kelsey Foremost here, marketing expert, copywriting expert, mental health advocate, and host of Find Your Magic, the podcast where mental health and entrepreneurship meet. Today, I am speaking with Anna Thorstetier, who is one of my dear friends and an incredible person to talk to about work-life balance. This conversation is for you if you ever find yourself dealing with guilt about self-care or perhaps feeling like you are a little bit addicted to the hustle of achieving at work. Anna has had a long lucrative career in PR. She started out working with a lot of A-list celebrities at a big agency, and then she moved into influencer marketing as a specialty and became head of influencer marketing at Mediacom, which is a big, big fancy company, working with some of the biggest brands out there. And then she worked in SaaS tech, and now she is at Instagram in the EMEA creator marketing team. So she is a big, high-powered achiever who works in a really fast-paced environment. And yet she is one of the most inspiring people that I have found who really takes her mental health seriously because she knows that if she doesn't take care of her mental health, then her work is going to suffer. That's a universal truth. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're not slowing down, taking a second to really understand what it is you need internally, then you can't pour from an empty cup. So this conversation today, I hope inspires you and gives you some really good ideas and actionable tips to start getting curious about how you're actually spending your time during your workday, especially if you're working from home. So please welcome my friend, Anna, to find your magic. Magic makers, you are lucky sons of guns today because I have my friend, Anna, with me. Anna and I were colleagues who became friends and since we weren't, we're no longer at the same company anymore. However, we have remained very close. And one of the things that has really bonded us is talking about mental health outside of work, mental health at work and how it manifests itself. So Anna, thank you so much for coming on the Find Your Magic podcast today. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. I hope it reaches loads of people. I think it's so important to talk about this, especially now. It's very timely. So thank you for doing this. I am so glad you said that. I think that's such a good point. And thank you. I appreciate that so much. I also hope it reaches lots of people and helps them. I think we've sort of gotten into this season where we sort of forgot that COVID was so traumatic. And I think that that's such an important point. It is really timely. I think it's a perfect opportunity for a lot of us to take stock of what can we take from that experience of COVID and just being so stressed and and worried and and, um, living in that unknown for so long, what can we take from that, learn from it and bring it into what is the next chapter? I'm not saying get back to normal, quote unquote, because I don't think that that's possible. Um, So why don't we start there? How did you pick up any practices or did you notice anything happening during the last year that has since informed 
sort of how you show up for yourself moving forward? I think it's a really difficult question to answer because if you ask yourself these questions, and I think that's if you're anyone right now, I think you realize that you have maybe not looked within or at yourself and acknowledged what is going on. I think, Mm. you know, we're reading about this and we're thinking, oh, mental health is, you know, going down the drain and the the healthcare services are going to be struggling for years because of that and we're all talking about it but we're all kind of sat if you are working at home some people are not and they'll be facing very different mental health challenges you know we're all in different situations but I'm speaking from a perspective of working at home um, where you know I'm in the same four walls in a spare bedroom which is my office and I'm a very social person who travels a lot and I absolutely don't like being at home all the time I like my home to be completely separate from work so Mm -hmm. I think you know personally what's happened to me and maybe some people can relate is that I've not really acknowledged what's going on and I've only started to realize it now when um, I have started to see people again and we start to talk like this and I think oh you know maybe I've actually not been looking after myself as much as I should have um I'm not drinking enough water. I'm not taking daily walks. I'm not exercising. Um, same, same, same. <laughs> you know, I think people, you read about these things and you're like, oh, here's what you should do to, you know, for self-care, et cetera, et cetera. But what you actually end up doing is you end up being on your laptop more than you should, more than your employer is asking you to because you kind of don't have anything else to do And then you just go down this black hole of like, I'm exhausted, I'm burned out, I'm too tired to exercise, I'm too, you know, so I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I know you're not, not. I am right there with you. I feel extremely called out right now because this, I'm a person who actively talks about mental health and I, oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts about what you just said first the thing you said about like drinking the water, going for the walk, exercising, getting off your screen. We know these things. These are almost like trite at this point. Right. And it's annoying how simple these practices are and how freaking hard it is to start to form them as new habits. And I really don't want to gloss over what you said at the very beginning, which is that it starts with acknowledging where you're at, because if you don't take a second to get really honest with yourself and actually take stock of how much time am I spending watching trash TV? How much time am I spending on social media scrolling? I have a, I, my favorite time waster is little games on my phone. I have this crossword puzzle thing that I look up and I've spent an hour and 15 minutes doing a dumb crossword puzzle on my phone. And it's so, it might, might, but the point being like, I went in tangent with a goal of getting off my phone more. (laughs) So the point is like getting really honest about, okay, how am I actually spending my time? And I think there's a lovely comfort zone trap of living in that sort of meh place, that sort of unmotivated, um, semi-caring, semi-not 
distract yourself with work, but then getting distracted from work when really it starts like getting, living a healthier, more magical life, more fulfilled, exciting life comes from just that first step of acknowledging where you're at and then maybe seeing, okay, what do I actually need? And there's another thing in here, which um, I think a lot of people will relate to, and that's a guilt. Oh, yes. That guilt of like taking that walk or, you know, starting work at 9.30 or 10 instead of nine, because you have a lot of international calls later and you should allow yourself to do that because no one is asking you to do a 10, 15 hour day. Um, And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have very supportive colleagues, very flexible working, Um, But we do have a lot of work to get done and we work very cross-functionally. So there is a lot of time zones, you know, literally EMEA, US, APAC, LATAM, we're we're dealing with a lot there. We are still encouraged to take those walks and take those moments away from the desk. Um, But I still struggle with the guilt of doing that, even if I've done a 12-hour day. Um, and I'm, you know, that's something I'm trying to work on in general in my whole life is, is this guilt feeling, because um, if you are very driven, career driven, you are constantly looking to achieve something and you just cannot stop. You are looking at one screen this way. And I, I literally, I mean, oh my gosh, I, this is not okay. <laughs> so for you guys, the, the sound cut out there for a second, but Anna showed me three separate iPhones that are literally sitting next to her right now. And she's on her laptop and she has another computer next to her. And I think we can all relate. And I think we all sort of got into this space of normalizing that during COVID times and working from home and having multiple screens open. I really want to lean into this guilt thing because this is so interesting to me. What do you feel guilty about specifically and like the underlying feeling and where do you think that comes from? I mean, you're going really deep here because I feel like I need to go through this in therapy. So I, I don't really know where it comes from. Sure. No, only what you feel comfortable it probably comes from, you know, upbringing and background and culture and things like that. And, you know, in a nutshell, I I come from Bosnia. I literally went through the war. I was raised by a single mother. And then I just got very lucky on a successful trajectory where my life got turned around. I went to a private school in Africa and then went to Iceland. And then I moved here and went to university and my life became very privileged. So perhaps it comes from you know being an only child but also in an environment where you are constantly praised you're doing well even if you're not doing well you're always praised and everyone wants you to do well so it just it's an innate feeling of um it's like one of my former bosses um Mitch and he might listen to this podcast if I send it to him because he's hi Mitch and he's very (laughs) Um, and that was my first ever job in PR really when I started my career he always talks about the fear of being average or mediocre and how that's a good thing is that you should always strive to not be average or not be mediocre yeah but when you have that it's very hard to release yourself from it you are constantly wanting to achieve something Um, so my guilt is mainly of um when I'm doing something like a walk or trying to do yoga, even outside of work hours, I'm kind of in that moment thinking, what's the point? What am I achieving? Why am I doing this? Mm. I should be 
doing something like I don't see it as like a, a an achievement and and that is really hard to like get out of that yes yes and I don't know if a lot of people feel that way when they're trying to do something for themselves but that is my issue is I am just all about work 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 and I love to work but it's exhausting when you're like that you can't be like that all the time So you know how when someone is in business for a while and you ask them, like, what's the one thing you wish you had done sooner? My answer is I wish I had migrated all of the different platforms that I was using to Kajabi way sooner than I did. I dragged my feet because I was nervous. Technology was intimidating to me. I was totally on my own. I didn't have a team. And when I finally pulled the trigger and signed up for Kajabi, you guys, it was like night and freaking day. They have the best customer service that I've ever experienced. They have a incredible like video library and knowledge base. So any question you have, there's like little videos that show you exactly how to do things. And if you can't figure it out from the videos, you can chat with a customer support rep right there in real time. I'm telling you, like, it's not just for online course programs. When you hear Kajabi, you probably are thinking of their online courses or hosting an online course but it is so much more than that. I have all of my templates on there. It handles all of my payments for me. It like whenever somebody buys something, it just goes right into my bank account. I handle all my emails from there, all of my marketing funnels, opt-ins, landing pages, you name it. I do it on Kajabi. They're offering a free 30 day trial to find your magic listeners right now. To check that out and read more about the platform, go to kelseyforemost.com slash Kajabi. That's kelseyforemost.com slash K-A-J-A-B-I. Completely. And thank you so much for sharing all of that because we, we are going a little bit deeper today and I'm so grateful that you're willing to come down the rabbit hole with me. And I, for myself, there were a couple of things that you said that really just made me ping my attention, which was that the praise that we get for being so productive, um, it's very addictive. And especially if you got praise as a child for being an overachiever, um, or for, you know, hustling or for, um, getting high grades or whatever it was, um, we get a lot of praise and people mean well, like our parents mean well for praising us so highly for getting all A's or making the varsity sports team or, you know, getting into that prestigious college, whatever it is. And that's great. We should be celebrated for the, for reaching our goals. But this thing that I've been talking about with my therapist a lot, which is you can have that, but you need in order to live a healthy life, in order to have balance, you need to be praised just as much for the other side of the same coin. You need oh, to be wow. praised. Isn't that so cool? Like you think about balance and literally if you take the thing on one side and you think, what's the opposite of that? That's oh, where you find the balance, right? Right? It blew my mind when we were talking about it too. So oh, if you- 
thinks that way don't they don't think and to be fair where i am now they actually do they're saying please take a break oh amazing you took that hour like we talk about it so that the guilt wears off because you're like oh my boss is also watching netflix and taking an hour and a half for lunch instead of yeah. half an hour it's okay for me to do it and you know even the senior leadership they are very much saying we want to set a good example please take your holidays please take the time off take a walk and start your day later we don't mind it's okay but I think people need to be told that by their employer. Otherwise they will constantly feel the guilt. Yeah. And gosh, what a gift to have a leadership team that sets an example. There's a lot of research by one of my favorite um, thought leaders, Brene Brown, and she wrote this book called Dare to Lead. And a lot of it um, is so beautiful in talking about setting up a successful team, setting up a successful company. This is really helpful if you are an entrepreneur who has gone out on your own or a freelancer you are a leader. You are, even if it's just you, even if you're a team of one and you're setting an example for yourself. Every time you choose to a acknowledge back to that, right? Step one, acknowledge. I feel uncomfortable taking this time for myself, but then B doing it anyway. And C acknowledging at the end, what you got out of it, that rest is productive, that rest does deserve to be celebrated and D I think we're on (laughs) acknowledging that it's going to take some time to rewire those neurons. There are these literal, I'm such a nerd. You guys just bear with me for two seconds. So in studying how the brain works and neuroscience, the brain actually physically fuses neurons together to create what's called a neural pathway. And the more we walk that neural pathway and repeat the same behavior, the stronger those bonds become. So if we've been walking this pathway since childhood or for our entire career in corporate America or whatever it is, the more we have walked that path, the more comfortable that path feels and the harder it is to break. It is no small potatoes to actually want to break that neural pathway. And the only way to do it is to get uncomfortable multiple times, sit in that uncomfortable feeling and know that true balance, productivity, creativity, and excellence is on the other side of breaking that neural pathway. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Um, There are a lot of practical ways to help yourself with that. I think what's worked for me is to literally do the things that I know in work with that. So I know I'm not really articulating it very well, but for example, I have put um, like a focus block Mm. at a certain morning and it is across my whole week constantly and I've put a setting on that in the in the work calendar that says that it's um it's fixed so an automatic automatic response goes to my colleagues that says I'm taking this time to look through my emails and catch up on the U.S. time zone etc so I take that time for myself I have my breakfast slowly um you know no one can call me no one can ping me um on the chat no one can disturb me and it works. Um, that is a done- brilliant tip that I am 100% stealing immediately after we hang up. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that was like, you know, the most done thing in the pandemic is like 
put the time that you want for certain things in your calendar, but I have to do it because if I don't, then I go back to that, like, well, I should be achieving something. But if it's but the like- key, the key with what you've done is the automatic response to the colleagues, because my worry, I'll block off a, an hour on my calendar. I, I can't tell you how many like hilarious productivity things I've tried to implement where I'm like, I'm going to do this from this time to this time never freaking do it because I'm constantly thinking, what if so-and-so needs me? I'm supposed to deliver that thing. So if an automatic response goes out where people, and then people get used to that. And then they know like, oh, from, you know, nine to 10 is Anna's time to do her emails and catch up on the U S then they stop even asking for that time, which is the goal. (laughs) So again, I'm just, I'm very lucky where I'm where I am, where it's very flexible, people are understanding of that, but that's because they have cultivated that culture and they understand that burnout is a serious, you know, can be a serious health issue. Yes. And um, so they have essentially created bots as well as Outlook features that I'm sure you have access to as well, where you can do these things. And the most important thing is that your colleagues respect it. Yeah. Um, and they understand it and it, and they see over time that it does not, um, affect your ability to do your job or the yeah. quality of your work they just need to respect it and not think oh why is she doing that why is he doing this um and i would argue do- it does affect the quality of your work for the better exactly because you need i mean it, it feels like a no-brainer but there are so many people out there that are really struggling and and you know working out of hours um maybe not seeing their family um, feeling very overwhelmed with their calendar and all the video calls. So I've put those blockers in and I have another one, which again is very encouraged across the company and everyone has it. I just have it on a Friday. And I would say most of my team has it on a Friday, but someone suggested it on a Wednesday is that it's a complete um, call block day. So there are no calls allowed the entire day. Um, and again, that and they're not going to get annoyed at you they're just going to wait and because they know you get your work done and you will get them what they need um, on time if you are effective with your time no one is going to harass you between that 9 and 10 a.m that they know you're in a focus block looking at your emails and sorting yourself out for the day they're just going to have to wait people need to learn to wait yeah I don't we're in such a hurry all the time and I'm so guilty of that but people just need to learn to wait take a breath take a breath (laughs) yeah it will all get done it will all get done do you dream about people coming to your website and telling you I cannot wait to work with you. I've been looking for this forever. I feel like I already know you. Can I please pay you to help me? Or maybe you just want to feel more confident when you sit down to write something for your business, knowing your words aren't just evaporating into the ether of the internet, but instead are connecting with your ideal customers. Look, after years as a freelance copywriter, I can very confidently tell you that no matter what business you're in, great copy turns words on the page into dollars in the bank, just like magic, which is why I want to make sure you know that my signature course copy class is currently open for enrollment. 
Now here's the thing. You can hire a professional copywriter, but honestly that could cost you thousands and it just doesn't make sense to hire someone every freaking time you need to write something for your business which is why I specifically designed copy class for non-writers, entrepreneurs who want to learn to write their own high converting copy without breaking the bank or spending hours staring at the blinking cursor of death. Copy class covers everything you need to know from the psychology behind why certain writing works to honing in on your actual ideal customer, AKA people who are truly going to give you their monies to how to write a website that converts start to finish, and finally, how to send emails that convert and sell. So if you want to learn more about copy class, see what's inside, and hear from past students, head to kelseyformost.com slash copy class. That's kelseyformost.com slash C-O-P-Y-C-L-A-S-S. Something that you sort of started to touch on that I really do want to talk about with you today is the physical effects of burnout, because any smart company, any smart employer understands that burnout is actually one of the fastest ways to plummet your ROI and plummet the productivity of your team. Um, Anna and I both have had I I think of it as like a bodily wake up call, like an alarm goes off. Um, I sometimes uh, describe it. If you've ever driven in a car, you, you know what the check engine light is like you're in the car. And then all of a sudden it's an emergency. The check engine light goes off and you have to deal with it immediately. That's how it feels sometimes with the physical manifestations of not taking those moments for self-care and not prioritizing mental health, it can absolutely come out in our bodies. Yeah, this is kind of going back to what I was saying in the beginning is we think we are not stressed when we are really stressed until your body goes, stop, I can't take it. And then you go, oh, I thought I wasn't stressed but I was, and now my body's telling me because my body is literally so desperate to tell me because I was ignoring it. Um, And that's another difficult one because when you're used to just, I know people call it the rat race, but I think Mm. that's a terrible thing when you enjoy your job, (laughs) love what you do, because I love my work and I I love what, but I still, you know, you could love cycling and still cycle for too long and fall off the bike and get injured. Yes. I mean, this happens. Look at what happened in the Olympics with, uh, with Simone Biles, her mental health overtook her ability to physically compete. She's literally the greatest gymnast of all time. And I support her a hundred percent. I think it's the bravest thing anyone's done in a long time where she said, you know what, my mental health it is affecting my body to the point where even though I am quite literally the proven greatest of all time, I need to take a step back. Like body is it's, it's impossible to ignore. Yeah, it's, it's true. And, um, I recently started to open up a little bit more, maybe just on my personal social media about a condition I have, um, because I feel that, as it's got worse for me over time and I realized how much stress affects it, I just felt like it was important to start opening up about it for myself. Again, going back to everything we're saying in the beginning is 
how do I make sure that I can continue doing the, the work that I love and, and that I'm okay in the long term? It's by acknowledging what's happening to me. And it's taken me, you know, probably 20 years because I've had it since I was little. Um, it's a condition of, of the gut and it affects um, my stress levels, my kind of physical state. I get, you know, things like back pain, little manifestations in my body that say, I can't take this anymore or it's too much. Um, and I have to acknowledge it because if I don't, I may as well end up not being able to work at all. And I'm only 32. So I've come up to the point where that is a real fear. Um, and it's, I mean, this has literally stopped me in my tracks because I've just realized yeah. that's the I've said that, you know, on a forum to, to a lot of people and I'm kind of being very vulnerable right that now. But. I'm so appreciative. I'm so appreciative. And I think it's so important to say there is great power in sharing your personal experience. I think there is nothing more important in this world than showing up and being truthful and saying, this is something that's going on for me because I promise you someone identifies with that. I identify with it deeply. And I think it's, you know, we, we allow for, we allow for rest and recuperation when it's a physical injury, right? If someone gets hit by a car, you think, oh my God, of course, like take time off work, um, rest up, get better. But when it's something that may be chronic, that um, takes a little more nuance to, to understand and pay attention to, or if it's something that really is inextricably connected with our mental health, it's very um, it feels a lot more difficult to take that same, uh, needed rest and recuperation time or, you know, paying attention to what's going to help us. than if we said, I got hit by a car this weekend, it's yeah. yeah. And there's also that guilt again, because, yeah. you know, about, um, invisible conditions as well. And this is one of them where there's a lot of people out there that not just mental health wise, but physical conditions that someone else cannot see. So yes. there have been times in my career and before my career, you know, when I used to work in retail and I'd have to stand on my feet for 15 hours. And I would say to my boss, you know, I've got terrible stomach cramps and I couldn't even stand up straight. And I was like, I cannot take it. I'm in so much pain. I have to go home. Mm. And they didn't believe me. They thought I was lying because They've never experienced anything like it. They thought, oh, it's just a tummy ache, like whatever. Right. And when I think back at that, that was quite traumatizing because what that told me was, do not tell your employer that you have any kind of issue. Right. Just pretend you're okay. They will not understand and deal with it. And that's resulted in me suffering at work numerous times, pretending that I'm fine when I'm not. You know, it it has not affected my career because... I'm very proud of my career and everything I've done, but it's it's a sort of thing. And, and you know, these kind of chronic issues that people have, they kind of um, show up, not just with stress, but very randomly. Mm -hmm. So I could be at an event and, you know, having the best time ever, everything's going well. And I suddenly am like, oh, you know, I'm very uncomfortable. I can't stand anymore, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. And so, what I would, I guess, if I could offer any kind of advice based on, you know, the last 30 years of, of um, not acknowledging it, 
is for other people is a again to just acknowledge it for yourself because it could have damaging effects on you and your life mm-hmm. your very long life if you don't acknowledge it early enough and then um to be more open with your employer not necessarily if you don't feel comfortable disclosing the full details um but just kind of I guess confiding in someone that you can trust um, and maybe just saying it to your boss saying look this doesn't affect the quality of my work but sometimes these things happen and if I have to leave a meeting if you know let's let's talk about the best way to deal with it when these things happen because they can be very sudden and I don't want to let people down I don't want to embarrass anyone in like a meeting or on a call if I have to step away or something um but it is something that, you know, we have to try not be embarrassed about because we might not, we might damage our career. We might damage our relationships with our families, all of those things, if we don't acknowledge it and open up about it. Absolutely. And I also would like to add that people get, people are much more understanding than you think. A lot of times people either like kind of don't really care. They're like, oh, you have this thing no problem. And then you're like, Oh my God, I thought that was going to be such a bigger deal than it actually was. And the other side of it is everyone has something that they are also going through. And it's so important to remember that because if you're at all feeling nervous about bringing a situation like this to somebody that you work with, um, and being open and honest and letting them know what's going on, remember that they probably also have something that they maybe haven't spoken up about yet or do need to speak up about. Um, and you are again, setting that example. And honestly, if you're in a situation and again, like, please take this advice with a grain of salt, like, you know, I'm by no means a professional, um, you know, health consultant, but I also, if it were me, What I'll say is if I was in an environment where I felt so uncomfortable by the reaction of my team or my employer or my client, if they had a really negative reaction, then I would encourage leaving that team. I would encourage finding a better situation, which it is absolutely possible to do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because at the end of the day, we're we're just humans at work, but we are not humans at work. We are many other things. And, you know, if, if work is something you're passionate about and whether you're an athlete or an office worker, you cannot function if you don't acknowledge these things and you will end up in a much worse situation mentally if you don't deal with them. Um, I think the challenging thing with all of that is, I guess, you know, guilt and embarrassment at the same time, but also not wanting to be defined by it. And mm. I think a lot of mums can relate to this as well which I find really sad because I think women who are mothers and men who are fathers get an even more ambitious like push when they have a child Mm -hmm. and people don't talk about that very often you know I think they want to do even better for their employer because there's now this little person that they need to provide for and, and support so I feel like the treatment I don't have any children but I feel like the treatment of mothers in the workplace still is just such a long way from where it should be. Um, You know, the other day I heard um, a company in London has just um, introduced an IVF 
um, 10, 10 days off for IVF policy, wow. um, more um, um, paternity leave and things like that. And that's just one company out of thousands. And I was like, wow, that's, wow. you know, why? I wish that that didn't feel so out of the ordinary. Cause what a oh. gift, what, a, and what a, also like freaking duh. Like, you know, that's the other thing is like, yes, good for them. Absolutely. Gold star. This is the right direction. All the praise, but also like, like, and I mean, this is something that should be, I struggle with this line a little bit. Um, I like, my mom calls me the little instigator sometimes where I hear something like that and I'm like, great. And now what are you going to do? Like, well, (laughs) because that should be normal. That should be baseline, man. Oh man. That's a whole nother conversation, but yes, I absolutely agree. I myself also do not have children, but I have a lot of clients who have children. I've worked with a lot, um, especially of moms. And that's absolutely a whole nother layer about the pressures of fulfilling two roles at the same time of career and, you know, mother. And then in a lot of times the, the one that gets forgotten is self. Yeah. I was and- just going to throw in a, you know, a mental health moment or a chronic condition in there and you've got a tornado of you know what I feel like women deal with like yes women mental load is just so much bigger than anyone else um might be controversial to say that but I really no it's well here's some science to back you up so uh again that that uh nerdy neuroscientist Kelsey coming out to play here women actually have more thoughts per day than men. We are biologically wired for multitasking more than men. We say and speak about 30,000 words a day, whereas men say on average 15,000 words a day. We How is are. This in your head. How is this because your head? I'm a huge nerd who loves to dig into this because I hear, I see a behavior or I feel something and I think, why? Like I notice it and I think why, and I recently just went through a separation and a breakup with a very kind human and, um, nothing bad to say about the person, but the situation made me question like, wow, what was I willing to put up with to not rock the boat? And I think that as women, we are taught our entire lives to be attractive and to be wanted rather than to actually say what we need and what we want, rather than to say, I desire this. We are taught we need to be desirable. And a big part of that is shut up and be grateful. And I'm just no longer okay with that. I'm no longer okay with that. And it took a lot of work and a lot of therapy to get to that place. And there's still absolutely so much empathy and room for compromise and understanding and love and compassion. But there are also boundaries where you have to decide I am no longer okay with this situation, or I'm no longer okay with Um, being spoken to in this way, or I'm no longer okay with someone not engaging with me when I tell them something that I need. So I think that there's just so many opportunities for women to take a step back and think, what is it that I actually want out of this situation? What is it that I actually want out of this job? 
What is it I want out of this relationship? Um, What is it I want out of this day? What is it I want out of this hour? And just starting to pay more attention to what it is we actually want instead of what we look like to the people who are supposed to want us. Yeah. And we, and I think um, we could be talking for hours and there's, but I think something else we mentioned um, before was uh, kind of being brave to leave uh, a job that is perhaps no longer providing you with the challenges or, I mean, it sounds like very cliche saying that, but at least we live in a world where you are not expected to have a linear career trajectory. You're actually Mm -hmm. expected to question your position and leave it when you're not contributing to the point where you were expecting anymore or where you're not being challenged or learning anymore. So I feel like now, you know, what I'm hearing from um, other friends is when they're looking at someone's CV and if you've been somewhere for maybe longer than two years, they'll say, oh, that's a bit strange. Why did you stay there for that long? Like, what have you achieved? You know, they'll say, well, why didn't you leave? What, uh, you know, how did you, they're kind of looking at it in a complete opposite of how it was before. Um, And there is still like, you know, a lot of risk with leaving jobs when Mm -hmm. you don't feel they're right for you. But for me personally, the greatest things have happened to me when I've done that. And I've had to really have some balls to do it because I've left some awesome people, teams and jobs and positions but I've only improved my career and what I'm doing because I was being really bold and brave. And, and, you know, there was kind of no other way in my head to do it. Well, and that's the kicker. There is no other way to improve your life and your situation. There is no other way than to leave the things that are holding you back. And that's what we learned one time, change your state. Yes. Yes. Change your state. So, and I only have you for five more minutes. Um, and I don't want to let you leave without asking you what was a moment where you dug deep and found your magic. Okay. So when you brought this up, it was a really hard question. And I realized thinking about what that is, I realized why it was hard for me to answer personally. And it's because of, I guess what I just said earlier, it's because I've had to do that many times. Mm. There's no one moment where I was like this is it like I've got to do that you know some people might have that one moment and I might have it in 10 years time when I feel like this is that one thing um and I have a long way to go in my career but because I've made these career decisions and pivots and risks and I almost feel like I'm jumping off a building every time I do this yeah give myself a pep talk and I have to get my partner and my mom and my friends to give me a pep talk and I always take strategic calculated risks that's really important is I don't jump off without knowing there's a mattress or something at the end (laughs) that's healthy an analogy a really silly analogy no it's great um it is always a calculated risk but it is so scary like you are leaving something behind that could potentially even be something that you shouldn't have left behind, but you still choose to do it. So these are the moments where I have to dig deep and I have to remind myself that, you know, I am good. I am, you know, all those cheesy things. I am worthy of this job. I am gonna be good at it. Um, You know, look at what I've achieved so far. Um, And yeah, I might, you know, come off really confident to people and, 
you know, been on stage doing these kind of talks, but I have all the same fears that everyone else does. I have to give myself a pep talk before any presentation in, you know, and yeah, I'll do it well, maybe, but I'm probably sweating under that shirt and nobody <laughs> knows about it. So I'm telling everyone now, it never gets I love that. No, that's so, that's such an important point because I think we see people who are quote unquote, like confident, well-adjusted professional powerhouses. And we think they must have it all figured out. Um, and that is never the case. I guarantee you every single person that you look up to has had that terrifying moment where they think, who am I to do this? And they have to dig deep find their magic, find the thing that lights them up inside, find that confidence and do it anyway. And the last thing I want to say before we let Anna go is something that I came to me one day during meditation and I wrote it down and Anna just reminded me of it. And that is, we don't have to feel brave to do brave things. So if you're doing something that is scary and takes a lot of vulnerability and you don't feel like, let's fucking go, that's fine. You don't have to feel brave to do something brave. So take that with you, magic makers. And you just need to be excited. You need to, if you feel the excitement, then the scary part is okay. Just just jumble them both in the same pot and just do it. Just do it. Ask yourself, every time you want to do something, just ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen and the worst case scenario is usually really not that bad and that will make you jump off that building that sounds really extreme but (laughs) buildings guys that is not yeah yeah don't take us literally take us metaphorically with you and do the rest of your day (laughs) you guys thank you so much for showing up for this conversation with my friend Anna I will have a way to interact with her and reach her in the show notes below Thank you so, so much for being here. Now go out there and find your magic. Hey, magic maker. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.